traveling the world searching for equestrians of all breeds. The journey starts now on the International Equine Network. Ah, good afternoon, uh, equestrians. This is Scott Miller coming to you live from Sunshine Meadows in Delray Beach, Florida. Wishing all of our equestrian friends out there a very, very Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays. Hope everything's going good for you. Remember, be kind to people all for the rest of the year. Be kind. Tell them Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Give them a handshake or a hug and tell them, you know, that you are glad that they are a part of your day, which I'm glad you guys are a part of my day. And uh, so we're going to get started here. Got a lot to talk about here today, which we always do. And I'm going to try not to put you to sleep until at least 210, 212, somewhere along in there. You know, um, a lot of things are happening around at all the tracks across the country. It's really getting uh, good. Um, a lot of the tracks are getting their new dates for 2024, um, you know, which is exciting because they've added a lot of dates to a lot of the tracks. Uh, the horse business is being real good and they're getting a lot of good crowds and the economic impact that it has literally on, um, you know, the communities is being, uh, evaluated and realized by the different states and the different cities and, and the different organizations. And so they're extending some of the dates, you know, to help, uh, boost up that economy for those local, local people, which the horse business affects everybody and those local areas, um, from Burger King to, um, you know, the grocery stores, the Walmarts, uh, Uber drivers, you name it, uh, you know, every business is affected by it. So um, the more dates they have, the longer they can stay in their community. So remember, when you're out there and you see horsemen or see a horse event, um, go to it. Check it out. See what they got. You might you might enjoy it. It's a good, good thing to do with the family. Um, Canterbury Downs, uh, 2024 dates approved by the Minnesota Racing Commission, uh, which they were really uh, glad to see this year. Um, Canterbury Park's request of a 54-day meet uh, in 2024 uh, would start Saturday, May the 18th through Saturday, September 28th. It unanimously was approved uh, by the Minnesota Racing Commission. And um, they they got a lot of good things that'll be going on there. Um, the 54 day uh, season uh, will begin one week earlier than it uh, used to, and conclude two weeks later than it used to in, in 23. So you know they've added three weeks there to it. So uh, you know that's really going to help help a whole lot. Uh, the average uh, purse distribution weight uh, um, will be uh, 197 thousand dollars. Uh, which is really good. Uh, the 54 day meet, uh, days over a longer period of time will allow us to increase the field sizes and additional racing opportunities for those in the horse population. And that's really good because, um, you know, Canterbury needs that, uh, to get to build up their, uh, Minnesota breeding program. A lot of those races that will be added to the program will be for Minnesota breeds. And that, that, that just goes to help out, you know, the, the whole, uh, equine situation in Minnesota. Um, Canterbury's $15 million stable area and racing, uh, infrastructure, um, improvement project uh, continues. 
they're building, they're building, they're building, they're building. Um, they built three new barns, a future home of 324 horses is underway and will be completed in the area by May 1st. And that, that's a really, really a good thing. They've added 36 dormitory rooms, uh, to the area and, uh, and, you know, just really on the improve. And that, that really helps, you know, that really helps, uh, uh people when they go there. Uh, good for the economy. And, you know, that's at Canterbury Downs, Santa Anita Park in California, set for a day after Christmas, uh, meat opener. So, uh, they're gonna, uh, have 49 days of thoroughbred racing through, uh, uh, April the 8th. Uh, they, they will have that. That'll go through April the 8th. Um, I tell you what, the first post time, uh, this week will be at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, the Santa Anita uh, Classic Meet includes 49 days of thoroughbred re- racing, um, ending April the 8th. A 12-day break at Santa Anita will reopen uh, for its 29th day, uh, Hollywood Meet, um, April the 19th. Uh, the Hollywood Meet concludes June 16th. So it's just like a little little mini break in between there. Uh, uh, Santa Anita is really, really uh, doing good. They got some uh, great racing there. Uh, they got great entertainment. Uh, you know, it just makes a good day for you and the whole family to, you know, to go out and see. That's at Santa Anita Park opening, uh, Tuesday of, uh, this next week. Um, Churchill Downs, um, they, they struck a deal, um, with Epson and Ascot, uh, racetracks in Europe. Uh, basically what they're going to do is they're going to run uh, races at Churchill Downs and it's a win in your end, kind of like the Breeders' Cup. Um, you, you win in your end and then, then you get to go to um, Europe and run at Ascot, uh, you know, and, and Epsom. And they do the same thing over in Europe to come back here in the States. And that, that's kind of a thing that uh, um, a lot of the tracks have started doing. Um, they they st- trying to interact with other racetracks and have a win in your end type thing, a series of races, kind of like we do here with the Breeders' Cup. Uh, we go across the whole Breeders' Cup um, here in the States, and if you win a certain race or a race that's been, uh, you know, uh, identified as a win in your end for the Breeders' Cup, uh, they pay your, uh, you win the race, they pay your expenses to get to the Breeders' Cup. Uh, they pay, uh, um, some other stipends there that you have. And so it makes it very, uh, economical for, you know, the Breeders' Cup horses to, to go to the Breeders' Cup. And, and the owners really do like that because that's an added bonus. If you could win the Breeders' Cup, that would be great. But if you don't, at least you're getting your expenses paid for. And that's what they're trying to do, um, internationally now with Europe. Uh, it's, you know, it's a fantastic deal because let's be honest, we don't have a lot of Europeans horses that come here to the States to run. And we have an even less horses go to Europe to run from the United States. And I think it's going to be interesting to see, um, some of the people that, um, get ready to go, uh, you know, over to Europe and racing. And we've had limited success with our American horses over in Europe. Uh, one, we don't have many going over. And two, it's a whole different way of training your horses for, uh, you know, for racing in Europe. It's a whole different ball game. 
Uh, most everything is on the grass. There's very little on the dirt. And, and it's kind of difficult, you know, to uh, get your uh, horses ready here in the States for the turf because we don't have a lot of turf races here in the United States that, that would, you know, uh, um, coincide with races that are, that are in Europe. But we've got a few trainers that are really uh, starting to make a name for themselves on the grass here in the States, and, and we're going to see just how uh, how that transfers over to, um, you know, to Europe. Uh, we'll see what that what that will do. Um, and speaking of Europe, um, the GBRI Ascot releases Episode 4 of An American Dream. Um, the GBRI Ascot released a... Um, episode four of the American Dream to return uh, to Royal Ascot. And, you know, like we've been talking uh, an awful lot here lately, uh, you know, about um, uh, distribution of equine information. And when you say distribution of equine information, immediately comes to mind you think of print and books, uh, you know, magazines, that you know, that type of thing. And, what what's really taken a hold down and, and what I saw coming, you know, five years ago, six years ago, is um the birth of the uh, podcast. Uh both radio and um and audio uh, radio and, and television. And that that's really getting big now. Uh there there's a good market for it. And it used to be where if you wanted to get, like, say, the Kentucky Derby on TV, it cost you a, a fortune to get it, you know, placed on one of the networks. If you wanted to do a local show, it costs a lot of money to get it done. And a lot of people just weren't paying, you know, to, um, you know, put their product, out, you know, out there. But now it's gotten to a point where you need to get your product out there. It's very economical to do both, uh, you know, TV and radio of your pro of your programming. Uh, your biggest cost comes in the production of your programming, and, and it makes it uh, uh, tough, but a lot easier for a lot of the places to, you know, to show. For example, uh, quite often we have uh, Wellington International. It's the showgrounds in West Palm Beach, and they have fantastic uh, shows that attract international riders, and, and some of the best writers in the world uh, to their weekend of programming. And so now Wellington International is now made available um, on uh, YouTube and other media outlets so that they can uh, broadcast their programming live. They've got a good, they've got a real good uh, crew there, uh, professional announcers, uh, not like me. You know, I told him, I said, that's the worst thing that could happen to me <laughs> on my podcast. If I get a lot of people listening to me, then I got a lot of critics. But if I don't have anybody listening to me, I don't have any critics and I'm a happy camper. So that, that's what it's all about. But no, all kidding aside, um, a lot of the places are doing that, uh, especially Polo. Um, two, three years ago with Polo, it was hard to uh, get Polo on, on television. And uh, I talked with a lot of my polo friends here in uh, Wellington. And, um, you know, now all of a sudden we've got polo uh, just about every week. And and that, that's really good. And, you know, the greatest thing in the world about it is you get a lot of the owners and trainers and, and polo players uh, that like to be on TV. 
you know, they, they like that. And so, you know, you, you get a good uh, staff of announcers and, you know, you get a good staff of production people and, and it becomes a success. And then, you know, once you get to be a success, you get a lot of advertisers. And, and that, that's what's coming up. But polos really uh, is becoming a hot thing now. And and what I like about it is polos, a lot of the polo matches, you know, are played during the week and, and the big ones on the weekends. So it makes it an ideal uh, place to go like I have, um, you know, on IEN. We come up here and there's all kinds of things, that, you know, that, that we can get uh you know, here for the people to take a look at, uh, you know, and it's, and it's kind of exciting and it's lending a lot more um, uh, interest to polo because, because of the polo matches, you know, that they have. Uh, so that, you know, that that's exciting. Um, we got uh, coming up here on IEN, we'll have the World uh, World Racing Awards. I'm more in focus on the IFHQ uh, A quarter, quarterly. And uh, it's it's a nice um, uh, little program that comes on, and uh, it talks about um, you know the everything uh, in the world of racing, and it tells you who is and who isn't, and it tells you what they did and what they didn't do, and, and it gives you something to look forward to, you know, to when you come up and watch them, and you'll be able to see the, uh, programs like that weekly on IEN and other outlets. Um, one of the things that uh, that I like is the Blood Horse magazine. I get a lot of our information from the Blood Horse people. Uh, it tells you any and everything about the world of thoroughbreds. Um, and, I mean, they tell you everything. Uh, you know, and like, for example, this uh, week uh, we've got three trainers um, and uh, it's joined the HISA advisory group. So uh, HISA is one of uh, the regulations that... Uh, uh, Regulate the thoroughbred industry. Uh, they, the greatest organization in the world. Um, the thing that I like about HISA is they're there to educate the people, uh, not only in, in, uh, the horse business, but the public, the general public. Um, we have Dale Romans. Uh, he's an award winning trainer from Louisville, Kentucky, operating Romans, uh, racing. Romans has, uh, races, uh, races in Kentucky, New York, and Florida. Uh, he's a, more, a member of the board of directors as the vice president of the Kentucky Horseman's Benevolent uh, and Protective Association. Um, he serves as a member of the Churchill Downs uh, committee, committee, committee um, and Gulfstream Racing uh, Committee. Oh, boy, I'm having a hard time getting through this. He's so impressive. He's got so much behind his name. Um, but... Um, uh, he joins John Sadler, California-based trainer, former show horse jumper, who has been training since 1978. In addition to training multiple Eclipse um, champions, Sadler was uh, previously the president of the Thoroughbred Trainers and a member uh, association and member of the board uh, of Edwin Gregson Foundation and the Thoroughbred Owners of California. So we've got two right there that have been on board board of directors. They've been there. They've done that, and they've seen it all. And so their eyes lend a lot of expertise to, you know, the the horse industry, not only as a horseman, but as, you know, as a um, uh, participant in other other organizations other than just racing. And then the last and the third one is Shug McGahee, which I'm proud to say I worked for for a while. 
Um, he's a New York-based Hall of Fame trainer and a native of Lexington, Kentucky. Historically, the private trainer um, for the uh, uh, Laurel Phipps family. McGee, he uh, brings 30 years of experience to top horsemen, um, uh, to the advisory group. And five of McGahee trainees have been inducted into the Hall of Fame. So, you know, what I'm saying is we've got a lot of experience there. And when you get into the horse racing and integrity, uh, you know, association, um, you, you start thinking, uh, you know, how can he help? How can they help uh, what we're doing? They've been there. They've done that. They've experienced a lot of the situations that uh, horses might get into uh, when they're training. Uh, you know, that that really helps. He knows the protocol uh, of the racing, uh, what you can and can't do. And so that makes it good for uh, what we're doing here in, in our horse associations. Um, and, you know, like, like again, like John Sadler, he was a former show horse person. Uh, and that, that's really good because, you know, he sees all, all the business and, and everything. So, you know, it's things like this that make the associations and, and what we're doing in the horse business uh, a lot better. Uh, from the safety aspect, not only for, for the horse, but for the employees and, and the trainers and, you know, to give the public, the general public a, a good product to see, you know, and that's really a, a great thing to be. Um, now, you know, like I said, we're just all over the place today uh, with everything that we're doing here. Uh, the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission reports a quick start for Kentucky sports wagering. And this is another thing. It all, and if you notice, every time we talk here on Fridays, I talk more about distribution of the equine product in all areas instead of just one. And, and that's the key factor in making a, success, a successful business like the horse industry. If you want to be successful, it's about product distribution. And that's what we do here at IEN. We try to talk about it all. One of these days, I'll get a professional announcer in here. We'll really, we'll really make some noise. But um, the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission, which oversees sports wagering in the state, uh, in the state, has uh, posted its first handle report of combined months of September and October. Two months, two months now. This was through October 31st. They had a handle of three hundred forty million eight hundred thirteen thousand dollars. That's in just in that's just in sixty days. That's in sixty days. Um, let me tell you, when you start talking about a handle like this and money, that kind of money coming into your business, boy, you can do a lot of things with that. That's that's only two months. You can imagine what it's going to be like over the year. And in the, the two months that uh, that they did it through October thirty first, that didn't include. The Triple Crown, the Preakness, the Belmont, uh, the Kentucky Derby. It didn't include the Breeders' Cup. You know, it, it, it was just two months, two of the slowest months that we have in the thoroughbred industry, and that's the kind of money it generated. Now you can imagine what kind of money they're going to be generating with the, with, um, the Arkansas Derby, uh, the Florida Derby, Louisiana Derby, uh, all of the Santa Anita Derby, all the big races coming up, you know, over the next, um, seven or eight months. It's going to be unbelievable the kind of money that they're generating. 
And, you know, it's all about the media. And what's really funny that, that I've noticed that a lot of the media, they don't know how to handle this situation. They don't know how to handle it. And it's tough on them, you know, because they got to literally create a department that will be able to bring you uh, all the information, um, you know, firsthand information for show horses, uh, you know, thoroughbred racing, harness racing, quarter horse, uh, you know, uh, sales. Uh, you got to literally create a personality for your your podcast, your TV program, your radio program, and that's very hard to do. It's very hard to find people that can get together and talk, you know, uh, with intelligence and, you know, be able to forecast the future uh, of, you know, horses that are racing, getting ready for the derby, uh, horses that are showing, getting ready for the Olympics, uh, polo that's getting ready for, you know, uh, all the world championships, um, for the sales, uh, you know, what horse is going to be selling good, uh, what stallion's hot, uh, you know, where are these horses coming from? Where are they going? You know, that, that's, you've got to create a personality for each show that you have. And that's very hard to do because once you do get it, you, it's, it, then you have to keep it going in the same direction, you know. And so that's why at IEN, you know, I'm always pushing equine information distribution. It's all about the distribution. You know, getting the right people together, getting with Blood Horse, getting with, uh, you know, the, the Breeders' Cup, getting getting rid of uh, Polo, uh, getting, you know, getting getting ready for all of it. It's tough. It's a tough tough road to go. I'm telling you. And you know that that was uh, what we're always talking about. And speaking of the Breeders' Cup, uh, the TV ratings behind the leading football games. Uh, NBC coverage of the Breeders' Cup on November 4th registered a .51 Nielsen rating reflecting approximately 834,000 television viewers. You know, that's pretty good, but it could have been better. It could have been a lot better. And I think one of the things that was confusing uh, on the NBC's broadcast uh, this year is the fact that the Breeders' Cup was being held on the West Coast at Santa Anita in which the Breeders' Cup will be held the next two years at Del Mar in a row because uh, uh, of a contract that they worked out. So it's going to be really good, and it gives the, the media and the company advertisers a chance to market it because everything will be on West Coast time uh, next year. And that, that's one of the things that, that uh, you know, you got to take into consideration when you're doing your marketing. Um especially live marketing, uh, like the Breeders' Cup, you know, you're three hours behind. So if you have a 5.30 post time for your um, uh, Breeders' Cup Classic, you're looking at 8.30 in the East. You know, at 8.30 on a Saturday night, there's a lot of ball games. There's a lot of stuff on TV. People are going out, you know, to eat and, and things like that. So it becomes a marketing nightmare, you know, for, for the um, – the sponsors of it, you know, because of that time delay. Um, but, you know, the only thing I can say is um, the viewership for Future Stars, which was the Friday program, was at .11 rating on uh, U.S. television ratings uh, for Friday sports are typically lower on the weekends. 
So, you know, they had, they had a tough time there with it. Uh, you know, so now, you know, the marketing people, uh, they've got the product, but the problem is, is you gotta, you gotta create a, um, you know, a, a market, uh, literally, uh, to fit that time slot, uh, that they have there. Uh, the, the, this year, the first time the Breeders' Cup Classic was not, uh, the final Breeders' Cup race. Um, it, it was later later in, in the programming. And they had a commitment to Big Ten. Uh, NBC had a commitment to Big Ten football coverage that began at 7 o'clock Eastern time. White uh, Barrio won the Classic at 3.43 p.m. Uh, Pacific time, which was 6.43 uh, Eastern time. So, you know, that, that made a big... Uh, a big difference in itself right there from the marketing standpoint, because the Breeders' Cup, you know, is the, is the best horses in the world racing on a two-day schedule. Uh, they have the future stars on Friday, which are all, all the younger horses, the two-year-olds, and they have a lot of the grass races and filly races and mare races on there. So that, that was a whole different, you know, thing that, that uh, we had to get used to. And then on Saturday, you got so much competition that it was just, um, you know, unbelievable, you know, to, to, that it did as good as it did. But that gives everybody a year to uh, get ready for next year. And I think it's going to work with the proper marketing and the, the proper uh, distribution of information. And see, that's what I like about it. Now you got the cell phones, you got, uh, you know, all the iPhones, you got all kinds of ways to watch, you know, the programming. You could literally be at the football game, you know, at a Big Ten game, for example, uh, watching the game, and on your iPhone you could be watching the Breeders' Cup Classic. You know, and that's what we have to do is we have to gear our distribution uh, accordingly. You know, we've got to make uh, podcasts better. We've got to make, um, uh, you know, the uh, live television better. Uh, we've got to make uh, delayed, uh, delayed uh, television better. Uh, you know, reruns really become, you know, popular. Um, do you have a program that's going to be aired on a delayed basis? Uh, those, those are the kind of things that you look at for, you know, for what we're doing here in this business. And I tell you what, it's a nightmare. You know, like with me, I, I fight, I, I still haven't gotten in, into a schedule yet when I, I've got, um, live programming coming from South Africa early in the morning. I got live uh, harness racing coming from uh, from Europe and Sweden uh, late at night. That's live. Uh, I got uh, live racing from Canada in the harness racing that, that starts at five o'clock in the afternoon and goes till you know midnight. And, and uh, it's it's kind of hard to get everything set up, you know, for that. But I've got my website set up now that uh, on the first of the year we're going to be able to. Uh, uh, you know, be on time with this. We'll have a regular scheduled program. Now, like right now, I'm sitting here, uh, doing the show and it's from the beginning, from the get go. It's, uh, it's kind of rough. It's going to be a, a rough cut like, but I'm actually filming my show now where I'm at and I will be able to put that on my website and I'll be able to use the videos and, and things that we're shooting this week. Uh, you know, next week on BBS radio because they do radio and TV and they do a good job of it. And what I like about it is that, um, right now today, 
is the day that we start filming the documentary, How They Get There, the 2024 Kentucky Derby. And it's it's really going to be interesting to, to do that because we're going behind the scenes and we're going to take a look at, um, you know, how the owners um, get to uh, to the Kentucky Derby, how the jockeys, uh, how the horses. Uh, it's a week-to-week update of who who's in and who is, who's out, you know, who's leading the way. And then five months from uh, this Saturday, we were literally have the Kentucky Derby field of 20 horses. You know, we're looking at thousands of horses that are on their way to the Kentucky Derby from all over the world. And we're filming that we're documenting that who it is and who it isn't. Uh, we're going to, uh, following, uh, uh, we're following Todd Pletcher as our trainer. Um, he, he trains a lot of good horses. Uh, he's won the Derby several times. He's won multiple, uh, Breeders' Cup races, stake races, grade ones. And uh, he's always got a consistent, uh, good product. He had 4K last year. Uh, he won the Derby with Always Dreaming and Super Saver. Um, he, but he f- kind of follows the same pattern. So that's who we're following as a trainer. And then as an owner, uh, we're following Spendthrift Farm and, and uh, how they do it. And, and the other owner I'm following is Mike Rapoli. St. Elias Stable, how they get to the Derby. And right now, uh, Todd has got the top two horses for the Derby next year. Uh, they're they're uh, fierceness. And he's earned over a million dollars. Uh, noted is right behind him. Stable mates, they're here in South Florida. They'll be at Palm Beach Downs this winter. And uh, they'll be running the usual routes that, um, uh, you know, that Todd runs. Uh, Spencer Farm. Unbelievable on the breeding at Spencer Farm. Unbelievable. Um, these guys have got stallions there that are, uh, that have done it all. Um, they got Forte there that Pletcher had last year. Uh, they've got Intimischief, which is one of the hottest stallions in the world right now. Uh, he's just breeding, uh, winners right and left. And, and they're old school. They're old school. And so we'll be following them. And then, um, uh, jockeys, uh, uh, we, we've kind of, uh, uh, looking at the Ortiz brothers, uh, to follow. Uh, they're usually pretty consistent with their derby mounts that they get. Uh, they're very good brothers. Uh, they're always battling for, you know, riding titles at, at the tracks they go to. So we'll be looking at the Ortiz brothers as our jockeys. And then, uh, of course, we'll have the best blacksmith in the world. We're looking at Steve Norman. Um, he is unbelievable on the horses that he has shot over the years, the stakes runners, the derby horses. Uh, he's just, he, he's a fantastic horseman. Um, and what's even, what's even better than being a good blacksmith that he is, he's a better person. Uh, he's a good horse person. He's a good country, uh, uh, horse country guy, uh, type of guy. Um, he knows it all, been there and done that. And he's also a good musician too. He's a good bluegrass musician. And so we're, we're looking at Steve Norman, uh, and we're going to find out just, uh, what he does and what he has to look for. And then, uh, and how they get there, we're looking at Hallway Feeds. Hallway Feeds is, um, is a great, uh, company. Um, they feed a lot of the steak horses, a lot of the derby winners. Um, you can get their feed 
anywhere in the world. And, and that's why I selected Hallway Feed because I've used it before, and, and I know the quality of their product that they have. Uh, they're very, uh, very good at what they do. You can call Hallway Feed in Lexington and talk to um, um, their people. And if you got a problem with a horse uh, losing weight or, you know, gaining weight or uh, if you got a horse that are finicky eaters, uh, you can go to them and, and they will uh, analyze your situation and they will literally create a seed for you and that horse. And that's what I like about it. And, and the other thing, the best thing in the world uh, is not only their staff, it's probably the best thing, part of their business is their staff. But what I like about it is if you got a horse that you're, are racing in Kentucky or Florida, California, or wherever. And whatever racetrack you go to, whether it's in California, New York, uh, Kentucky, Arkansas, Illinois, Florida, uh, you know, wherever it's at, you can get that same bag of hallway feed right there at that location you're at. And they even do international. So your horse never gets off its feed. And that's what I like about it. That horse is getting the same feed wherever he goes, no matter what conditions he's in. He's getting the same feed, so it doesn't get his system out of out of balance. And that's what I like like about that. And then the other thing that we're going to be doing is uh, we're going to be talking about horse transportation, which I was involved in for a long time. And uh, we're going to look at how they travel on the ground and how they travel in the air. Um, to get where they're going. Uh, it's an amazing uh, segment, probably the best segment of the whole, of, of the whole documentary. And there, you're going to see how they ride on vans and how they get up and down the road, uh, just the process that they go through, uh, what kind of containers they travel in, uh, how well they, uh, adjust to the traveling. Um, I had a horse that we were traveling, uh, um, you know, for a long time up at Windstar. And he had to have a, uh, a stall, box stall, facing backwards, uh, facing backwards on the horse, on the van. So he liked to watch the cars go by. And he had to be out on the driver's side. And he just loved watching the cars go by. You know, and that was his thing. If she tried to place him somewhere else, he just did not like it. You know, he did not like it. And, you know, we'll explain to you how they ride and how, how, uh, you know, they're fed their hay and the water on the trip. And then, then the, uh, the, the air, the air miles that you can put on some of these horses and how they fly. It's, it's, it's just shocking. You'll never, you'll never believe that horses get in that box and they can fly from here to Japan or Hong Kong or to Australia and, uh, not miss a beat. Um, you know, they got their water, they got their hay, they got their attendants on there. And, uh, you know, a lot of horses fly back and forth from the east to the west coast uh, to race. And some trainers that, that uh, prefer training in Kentucky or Florida, but they race two or three times a year out in California. You know, and it's still a little bit over a four-hour trip out to California, which is nice, you know, to see. And then uh, we go to, um, uh, about you know, owners. Uh, where do the owners get their horses? Uh, do the owners breed uh, breed their own horses? Uh, do they buy them at the sales or do they buy them privately? And so what we do is, uh, we're taking a look at, at the sales. Uh, we're looking at Keeneland and Fasic Tipton, Fasic Tipton sale, uh, that come up, how, how they're bought and sold, you know, there, um, for the, uh, you know, for the horse industry. 
Um, then we'll talk about MyRacehorse.com, uh, uh, how they put together syndicates to where for a small amount of money you can actually own a horse uh, that's running on, on the track. And, and Authentic was a classic. Uh, my racehorse had uh, Authentic, and uh, it, it was uh, uh, it was a great great situation. He wanted you know he won everything he could win. And so, you know, we go behind the scenes and look at the sales, what you're looking for at the sales, uh, which is really good, you know, to see. And uh, see, so we've covered just about everything that we could. Oh, and then uh, the most exciting part is, uh, is to, the decision to run in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, you know, the owner's got to talk to the trainer. He's got to talk to the jockey. Um, you know, you got to talk to everybody you know, involved from the blacksmith and the feed company. And you talk to everybody about running in the derby, making sure that you have everything available for that horse, you know, when he gets there, uh, you know, that type of thing. And so that, that's really going to be an interesting uh, thing to see. And we, we follow, we follow, uh, you know, like I said, all these people to the derby every week. We're always, you know, filming or doing something about what they're doing that would pertain to how they get there, you know, the decisions that they have to make to get a horse to the Kentucky Derby. And uh, it's going to be it's going to be a real interesting documentary, you know, to see. Uh, you don't have to know a lot about horses to watch it because by the time you get through with it, you're going to know all about horses, uh, you know, uh, that run in the Derby and run all, all over the world and everything. So that that's what we're doing. And then now, you know, hey, it's the first of the year. Seven months from now, uh, you know, well, five months from now, we got the Triple Crown starts, the, the the Derby, the Preakness, and the Belmont. And those run through the first of May through the middle of June. And the Belmont this year and for the next year will be run at Saratoga because they're rebuilding uh, Belmont Park in, in Elmont, New York. They're rebuilding it. So uh, the, the uh, mile and a half, uh, uh, Belmont Stakes will be run at a mile and a quarter, and it will be run at at Saratoga, to uh, twenty four and twenty five. So that that changes, and then and then in July we have the Olympics, and uh, you'll see our show Quest for Equine Gold that, that's running now about how the horses uh, qualify and get to the Olympics, and we'll be talking with uh, riders and trainers and. And farms that you know uh, get their horses to to the Olympics, and, and you know the the show horse industry is not like the standard bread or the or the thoroughbred or the quarter horse industry. It takes years to get a horse at, at, sh- at Olympic quality show jumping uh, in the FEI and, and the USAF. Um, they get a, it, it takes a long time to get that done. Uh, you know, some of these horses that are jumping and showing in the Olympics out here are, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, and, and they're training. And it, and that, that's probably one of the hardest sports uh, that you have to do is training show jumpers, you know, and dressage horses. It, it just takes hours and hours of practice day in and day out to get these horses to perfection. And... Um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see. And you know what's really funny is um, here at Sunshine Meadows, we've got quite a few good uh, horses here, and we got some uh, horse people with international experience 
that they ride at Wellington and and uh, World Equestrian Center and over in Europe. But what's funny is um, you don't realize it, but I see a lot of these girls and guys every day riding, and then before you know it, they're 19, they're 20, 21 years old. I said, oh, my goodness, where did it go? I remember when she was 15 and started out on this horse, or when he was, you know, 13 and started out on this horse. And now here they're 21 and 22, and they're riding in the Olympics. And, you know, it's kind of fun to follow them along on Quest for Equine Gold to see what they're doing and where they're going. You know, it's really interesting to see uh, how it happens. It's um, it's good. It's really good. And then, uh, you know, talking about the owners, um, the owners are the ones that really make it all go uh, for all of the horse industry. Um it's really interesting to see uh, how these owners make the decisions that they make. And, you know, in all divisions of the horses, whether it's um, the thoroughbreds, standard breads, uh, show horses, what have you, they all have a similar project in their associations, like USEF or FEI or AQHA or, you know, the USDA for standard breads. Um, this one that I follow along, and, and like I said, this is kind of like the the rule of thumb for just about all the horse business. Uh, the Jockey Club and the Thoroughbred Owners and Breeders Association have a owner view. It's called the Thoroughbred Owner View, and it goes over all the things that um, that you need to know, you know, in the business. And what what they do is they start at the top. And when they start at the top, you know, you're looking at, um, uh, for the owners, uh, they have all kinds of seminars that are going on. Uh, for example, they got accounting and tax, uh, uh, considerations for owners. Uh, they have the implementation of, of a lot of different things that they have, you know, here. Uh, one of them would be HISA. Uh, that's the, uh, you know, uh, the association that kind of regulates everything. And what they do is they explain in um, all kinds of podcasts and, and uh, you know, Internet information on the implementation of, you know, the rules and regulations behind them, uh, which is really good. And, and you know, they, they know uh, what they can and can't do. And once they're educated, you know, then it's a whole different ballgame, you know, for the owners to make sure that their money is being protected because they're looking for the things that they need to be looking for. And then uh, this is probably, I would say, the most important. Well, I mean, you, well, highs is the most important because that's about the safety of the horses and the, and the employees and the farm and everybody to deal with it. But a lot of people get, kind of kid me about this. I think every owner and every breed should have to go through this segment. Uh, for example, for the thoroughbreds, it's called handicapping for owners. And what they do is they teach you how to handicap in the horse business. And that's what the owners need to do. They need to learn any and everything about a horse. They just can't say, oh, well, he's nice looking. They need to learn how to, you know, look at a horse, uh, go out and see, you know, make sure he's got straight legs, make sure he's got everything in his proper place you know, and, and kind of go from there. But that, that's that's a good one. Um, then the other one they have, uh, you got to develop a business plan. And that all starts with the owner. 
That all starts with the owner. First of all, you gotta have you gotta have the money. And when you get the money, then you get a trainer. You sit down, you talk with the trainer, you tell the trainer what you'd like to do, which naturally we all like to win the Kentucky Derby, you know, or a big stake race. And you know, the trainer says, Well, you know, how much money have you got? You know, the owner tells you, tells the trainer, and the trainer says, okay, well, we'll go looking for horses, and we'll go out to to the sales ring, and we'll see what, you know, what we can find out, what we can get. And then once, once you, you know, get a horse, um, the trainer sits down and comes back, uh, you know, a few, a few weeks later and says, okay, you know, if we're going to try to run in the Kentucky Derby, here's the the layout of the, the path that we're taking, the journey that we're going on to the Derby. This is how they get there, Mr. Owner. And then you, the trainer lays out to them, you know, we're going to try to break the horse's maiden, which means when he's first race. Um, we're going to try to do that, we'll say, like it's Saratoga. And the reason I picked Saratoga is to break your maiden that is because it's one of the most um, high-quality race meets in the country. And if you break your maiden at Saratoga, then that adds a lot of value to your horse because the trainer has always got to think and the owner has always got to think, how do I build up a resume for my horse when he stops racing or she stops racing and possibility of going to the breeding shed? You've got to have a resume that's stellar, that's second to none. And if you went at a track like Saratoga, Belmont, Keeneland, Churchill, Santa Anita, Del Mar, um, you know, you're big in the game. You're big in the game for sure, breeding-wise. Not saying that you're going to breed something that's going to come out and win, you know, the Derby, but at least it's a good resume. And and that's what the trainer has to sit down and explain to, uh, you know, to the owner. You know, this is how we're going to go, and this is where we're going to go. And then the trainer has to have a secondary plan because if you really don't, if it doesn't pan out the way you think it should, then there's a secondary plan that you can get your horse on that will keep him right at that top level and maybe get him into the top level by winning key races down the road. So that's what you have to do with the owner once you get your horse going. Then when you get the horse, you know, uh, now that you got a horse for the owner, you got to sit down and you got to tell the owner. I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Um, Brookledge is our transportation people. They're very good at what they do. One of the best in it that there is. So they're going to do that and everything. So, um, you know, there you go. You're taking it and looking at that. And then you, you go, okay, get with the feed company. You get with the, um, uh, you know, all the things that are involved in, in your programming and make sure everybody is on the same page. That's what you got to do. Make sure that they're on the same page. So, um, I'm excited about, about that getting to the, you know, getting to the Derby. And then after you get everything done and you do an evaluation on your horse at the end of the day, sometimes in, in the first of April, you got to make a decision. Um, are we going, are we going to the Derby? And well, you know, you've got enough points because you you have run all the right races. You've done everything that you could possibly do. Um, you know, you do with that, and then you kind of go from there. Uh, you know, and then once you decide to run in the Derby, uh, the next thing you have to do is you got to sit down with your whole staff. 
uh, all your owners. You got to sit down with everybody and say, okay, here's our Derby Week plan. This is what we're going to do. And it's very important. That That's really an important part of the uh, getting to the Derby is, is that Derby Week plan because you've got to deal with owners. You got to deal with the press. You got to deal with, you know, the feed companies, the blacksmiths. You got to make sure everybody is all in that 10 days. That's the 10 days of, um, you know, no mistakes. Uh, you, you, because your horse is trained up to the Derby. Uh, you know, you got to get him through those 10 days. Uh, he's got to get acclimated to the crowd and to the situation. Uh, you got to decide when do you ship into the Derby? Do you ship in the Thursday beforehand? Or do you ship in 10 days beforehand? It's just so many decisions like that that have to be made. You know, like, a, you know, what color jacket am I going to wear? What shoes am I going to wear? No, you know. But, you, you know, you kind of get the gist of the whole whole thing is, is what you have to do. And then, um, you know, you get with your veterinarian, your blacksmith, and they're right there and you're ready to go. And then you just try to, you know, what, ride out the last 10 days uh, Get him out to the track in the morning, you know, get him exercise and keep, keep an edge on him. Um, you know, get your staff ready to go. Uh, you know, all those things that you have to do. Uh, that, that's the thing that you do in the show horse business. You do the same in the standard bread business, uh, for like the, uh, you know, the Breeders Crown or for the Hamiltonian or for the Little Brown Jug. You know, it's all pretty much the same format, but it's just, you know, uh, different horses. And it's organization. Uh, you know, the owner has to um, take the lead uh, and distribute out the responsibilities uh, down to the to the trainer and then down to the jockey and to the grooms and the exercise riders and, you know, the hot walkers. And you, know, you got a lot on, on your mind there that you got to start a year in advance, you know, to do. And so, you know, that, that's the whole thing about it. And then, um, in order to keep your horses up there and in the limelight, as they say, um, you got to get together with all the news outlets, uh, you know, the, the harness riders, the, uh, thoroughbred riders, the blood horse, uh, you know, the, uh, news outlets, uh, you know, you got to make sure that you have time every day. And, and I suggest this, you know, and that you keep uh, this in fact for the owner and for the trainer that you make yourself available for uh, uh, you know for interviews at a certain time every day, not just willy nilly. You know, oh here's so and so from Sports Illustrated. Here's the guy from ESPN. The guy from the Blood Horse. You make it known, well known, whether you're in the show horses, standard brands, AQHA, uh, you know, thoroughbreds. This is the time that I am available for, you know, uh, news interviews. You know, you set aside an hour a day and, and have it on a daily basis, you know, when you're going to be there. And, and that's, that, that stops a lot of headaches. Uh, you know, it's all part of the organization of what you're doing. And, um, you know, so you do that. So, you know, there, there's a lot to, you know, a lot to the horse people, uh, business that a lot of people don't know about. And that's why distribution is going to be very key, you know, that you educate uh, yourself as an owner, and then you educate, the trainer gets educated and all the people in your organization, uh, no matter whether it's show horses, standard breads, you know, thoroughbreds, whatever, you do that. You make sure that you've got everything there. 
one of the big things that we have to do. You make sure you got your telephone backup. You don't just rely on one telephone. You know that you've got a backup phone that you can use if something happens. And with the cellular phones the way they are today, you know, they're fairly inexpensive, and it, and it pays off to have that backup, you know, uh, on there. Um, then you make sure that, uh, uh, like all the trainers and everybody, and shoot, even the grooms, you know, and hot walkers, everybody, um, if you got an email or a website that you can go to, uh, that's very beneficial uh, because it helps you with the distribution of information that you might need to give out or that you might need to get. And, and that's one of the greatest things in the world. And well, like on, on my website there I, at IEM, you know, we got quick links to, uh, to Walmart. Uh, we got quick links to, uh, ship that delivers groceries. They'll even deliver groceries no matter where you're at in the country. They're like hallway feeds. They'll deliver to you anywhere in the country once you, uh, get, get in, uh, signed up with them and they will deliver your groceries. They will deliver pharmaceuticals. They de- deliver whatever you need directly to your barn at the racetrack or at the showgrounds. They'll deliver to your house no matter where you're at. Um, when I was in the hospital, um, I had things delivered by ship to me in the hospital. And, and that really helped because, uh, you know, my, my family and my friends, uh, you know, they, they brought me all the things that I needed, but, um, I was an internet or a phone call away from getting that delivered to me, even in the hospital. And I was in there for a long time and I used them quite a bit. Uh, you can get food from them. Uh, you know, you can get, uh, all kinds of things delivered. Um, they got laundry services that, uh, can deliver to right, right to pick up at the track and deliver to you. Uh, you know, at the farm, at the track, at the hotel, just like a uh, ship can, they can get it all done for you. And, uh, you know, we, we've got links here on our website that you'll be able to do that too. But those are the th- kind of things that you have to think about in, in the business is your time. You know, your time has got to be valued and you get in and get consistent in the right things that you do. And, you know, like we were saying, on how you get to the Kentucky Derby, that's going to be a tremendous documentary. It's going to be, you don't have to watch uh, or know much about horses, but when you watch how they get there, you'll see how they ride on on, on the airplanes, how they ride on the vans uh, when you buy them as a yearling, uh, how they break them, how they get them ready for riding and racing. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be good. It's going to be a good show. You know, with it. and we're doing the same thing with the show horses too. Um, it, it's it's exciting to see, you know, what what they're doing with it. The horse business is a great business. Um, like for example, we have a lot of people coming to, out here to the uh, uh, to the farm uh, the last couple of weeks. Uh, kids wanted to go on horseback riding for uh, Christmas, and we had several of the kids that have come out and first time riding. And they really enjoyed it, uh, you know, with, with uh, different trainers that we have here. And now they're coming back and they're going to start taking lessons. You know, they're going to start taking lessons. And like I tell a lot of the people who come out here, I said, you know, you, you don't realize something. When you're out here, you know, with your kid and this and your kid likes this horse and loves to ride, you know, can't wait to ride again and everything. I said, you want, you want to know the best part about this? This is the best part about it is that those kids can, if they, if they get good, 
what they're doing and they're riding, they can get a full ride scholarship to college. Texas A&M's got a good school. Florida's got a good school. Florida Atlantic. Uh, they've got their horses here at Sunshine Meadows. Florida Atlantic is another school. Um, you know, all these school, all these schools have, have, uh, you know, equestrian teams and you can get scholarships. And man, that, that really helps down the road that, you know, when you're trying to get a scholarship, you know, and you can go in for riding. Um, you know, that, that's really good. But, um, you know, the horse industry is really good. Uh, we got, um, all kinds of things that are coming up I'm trying to get this podcast better. I got like a ton of work ahead of me this next week to end the year right and start it off right. Uh, well, like I said, next week we'll have a video. Um, you know, uh, you actually get to see who I am. <laughs> and that'll be a, that'll be a big joke. You guys will like that one. But um, no, like I said, uh, distribution is about what we are here about distributing uh, information on the equine industry, the events, the things that you can go to. And, you know, you don't have to be a horse person to go and enjoy a horse event. Uh, that's that's the long and short of it. Uh, you know, you can go out and watch them jump. Uh, you can watch your sodge. That's, uh, your sodge is an event where the horses dance to music, uh, which is just unreal. Um, you know, then we have the standard breads, uh, We've got the American Quarter Horse Association things that we're going to be showing on there. That's the real cowboys, the roping and the riding and, uh, and uh, you know, the whole nine yards that, that, that we do there. So uh, it's exciting to do that. Uh, you know, like I said, it's a great time. It's good fellowship. Um, you make a lot of friends. And, you know, you don't have to be a thoroughbred guy uh, or a quarter horse guy, everybody gets together when you're involved in horses. You all got your stories that you have. So, But that's what we're pretty much about here. I rambled on long enough, and thank God I don't have any any listeners because if I did, oh, they'd be calling them. You should have said this. You should have done this. This is the way you need to do that. Back in the day, you know, and all. But, um, no, that's what we're trying to do here. Hopefully we'll get better and better, and if we don't, kind of like playing golf just as long as you're having fun and i'm having fun with these podcasts and, and i'm always trying to make it better and if you got any suggestions just uh, be sure to email me at ienequinetv at gmail.com you know or go to www.ientv.org and let us know what you'd like to see and we got our christmas movie our Christmas movie is on IENTV.org. It's a great movie. So tune in and watch it. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to everybody. And we'll talk to you next week for our end of the year show.